So let's do this real quick for the next uh, three minutes ish. What is um what's something that you were surprised by God's grace about this week? Something beautiful that just caught your attention? Um, something great that happened? The fact that they're doing the exact same expression and hands on their face at the same time? <laughs> that was awesome. You were going like this, and your son's doing like this. I was like, that's where he. Uh, it's your kid, of course it is, right there. That was a winner for me right there. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, he was wiping his drool away as well. Yeah, both of them. Both of them. Uh, anyone? Anyone this week? Something beautiful? Can I catch your attention? I've just enjoyed all the love this week. From being at the wedding to having dinner with Mark and Karen last night. It's been just full of, of, of joy and love. And Absolutely. It's crazy how community does that to us. You know, like, and, and all of a sudden it can surprise us too, which is crazy. Like, we know each other. We have, you know, even if you, you have times with your friends and you have this, but there's times where it like sneaks up on you and overwhelms you. You know, I'm glad, I'm glad you had that this week. That's good. And two, I don't, I don't think she was necessarily asked or prompted to do a lot of it. I think she like, yeah. like told Caitlin, hey, why don't I help you with this? Or can I please do this? Or can I, which is just, again, very, very cool. Very selfless, like you're saying. It's good to notice. We need to tell her that too. I'm sure you'll get a chance. But Anything else?
really thankful for our friendship and for her and um, you know, been some periods of time where you know we were not as close and we right. were closer and just thinking about how um, you know with you know a single friend or families or larger groups of community, you know, it's not always easy and you can grow apart, but if, you know, you have to work hard to sustain those relationships. You do. And It's good to hear. It's good to be reminded that they take work and that the work on them isn't just so you have a nice conversation occasionally and so you cross it off your friend checklist. You know, like the the work you do in community in for a friendship like that is valuable to both of you. And it it lets you both be heard, it lets you both be, you know, loved and celebrated in that. And that's awesome. I'm glad. I'm glad. Alright, so let's do this. Let's turn to I'm I'm we need to do that more, I guess, is, is part of the deal, too. I know we used to do that pretty often. We've been kind of jumping into the passage pretty quick every week, and I want us to, again, express kind of what the Holy Spirit's doing in our lives and where we're noticing the kingdom of heaven at hand. And so I'm glad, I'm glad we have things to share also, by the way. It'd be, be sad if we were like, yeah, back when I was in college, God did this and this, you know, to be able to say on Tuesday or just this morning or whatever. So I'm glad. All right, let's turn to Acts... 10, I'm also going to be using a, um, a something, not a Bible today. I'm sad about that, but whatever. So, someone give a kind of a, a quick update on Acts 10, what's happened. For people that haven't always been here for this, kind of, this is the third week, we're in chapter 10. So what's, what's kind of gone on? And Mark did it last time, so he didn't have to do it again this time. So don't make him, don't be like, Mark did so awesome, let's just have him do it again. No, Mark, you're not allowed. Let let or make them make them have a turn. Anybody? I love that all of you that are here are not looking at me in the face at all, and the ones that weren't are being very brave right now with their eye contact. Yeah, John. I wasn't here, but I know. You should express it. You should go ahead, my friend. Here. Yes. <laughs> he does. That's true. That was the that was a very good version of that. What are some of those things? He raises uh, a young woman from the dead. He does. Then, after this, he raises this young woman from a de- from the dead, which is beautiful. Um, then he has this time right after that where he goes to whose house? Almost, but first he goes to Simon the Tanner's house. But yes, you're right. He goes to the centurion, and that's coming. Simon the Tanner, what happens when he's there? He has a dream or something, right? And what is in the dream? In the trance. In the trance? You said that so Texan. The trance. He's in the trance. What happens when he's in the trance? He's like a blanket of animals? Yes. Very interesting. That was the perfect way to describe it. A blanket of animals? Question mark? What? Right. And what happens? The, the voice from heaven says to him, Kill and eat. Kill and eat. And then what does he say back? Surely not. I can't do such things because... 
been kosher my whole life. Been kosher my whole life. These animals are unclean. I have not ever done that. Surely that's not what you're asking me to do, right? And that happens how many times? Three different times. And then the last comment from the Lord, or from this voice from heaven, says what? It's this phrase that I want us to, to be like just seared into us. You don't know it, it's okay, I'll say it 30 more times. But what, what is that comment back? What God has made clean, do not call common. Right. What God has made clean, do not call common. What God has made clean, do not call it common. It's not common. It is cleansed by God. It is holy, in fact. Moments are not common if God has made them holy. Right? Your coworker is not common or average or normal. Right? What, what God has made clean, do not call common. All right, and then what happens? Let's actually back up a little bit. Not um, Simon Peter, but the centurion. What's the deal with the centurion? We meet him first. What's his name? Cornelius. Cornelius. I always think of Yukon Cornelius, so his, he's like a half claymation centurion in my head. <laughs> but what is it? He's what? He's a devout man, and how do they describe devoutness? Alms to the poor, and he prays continually. That's what they say about what made him devout, which is really beautiful. I'm sure he was good in other ways, but his, his, the version of devoutness for this person is he gave alms, and he was a prayerful man, right? So he has a vision from an angel, and it says what? What is it? Go and get Peter. Yeah, go get Peter. He's at another Simon's house. He's a tanner, by the way. But go <laughs> over there. What else does it say? Before, before it says that, what's the angel say? Yes, you've been heard. Another beautiful thing we have to have seared into us. This centurion, this, this pagan of the time, right? This enemy of the Jews. This, this one of the group that actually held hammer and nails. So enemy would be the enemy of the Christian, enemy of the Jew, his prayers are heard. God hears him, right? Here's his devoutness. It, it reaches God, right? So he sends people, go get this Simon. Go get him, bring him here. He has something to tell us. And then once Simon gets there, what's the first thing he says? And then we're going to start reading again. You remember? You're doing really awesome. We're, we're nailing the story. What's he say first, though? Verse 34. Truly I know, truly I know, God does not show partiality. Now I know. Now it is truly I know. God doesn't show partiality. Because again, to them right now, the partiality that God doesn't show is to other Jews. God didn't show partiality. Look, look, how, look what's kind of getting broken down through the early life of the church. And I love this. I think it's so beautiful. Is we have that, that the poor can have the kingdom of heaven that's at hand, right? This is a big thing to Jesus. He speaks good news to the poor, right? So they, now they have the kingdom. They're not impoverished because they're sinful. They're not impoverished because they're wrong. They're not impoverished because they don't have enough faith, right? They're just, that's their state. That's their lot, and so the church says, no, you too. And then we have this other thing. It's, it's also the leper, the paralytic, the, the, you know, 
birth defect. This, this person also is welcome. Doesn't show partiality to them. In fact, sometimes God heals them and they dance and they run around and they go crazy and they get kicked out of the temple, right? We see Jesus do this. Blind people see. And do you remember what the Pharisees would often ask Jesus when they would come to a blind person or a leper? They would say, hey, Jesus, whose fault is that that this guy is blind? Is it his fault that he sinned or was it his parents? His parents, surely. Surely they were wicked. Which one? Jesus says, neither. What are you talking about? Neither. In fact, this guy, this guy has been blind so I could show you, so I could show you he can see. So see. And he sees, right? We have these stories. And so, again, we have these barriers being knocked down of partiality. And then here we have this crazy barrier that we've talked about for two weeks now, and we're going to get into more, is now we have a Gentile. We've had Samaritans, which are close in this Jewish worldview mind. They would be more of an enemy, but they would, they would at least be a half Jew from, from way back, right? And then we have this, this next barrier by the kingdom being broken down. And so this is what it is. I'm going to read, starting in verse 34. It says this, So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Now, why do you think it would be important for him to talk about Jesus of Nazareth being um, anointed with the Holy Spirit? Why would that be important? Have we heard him talk about like that before? Have we heard any other way that Jesus had the Holy Spirit or it was with him or whatever? Not much, right? So why does he say that to this group of people? Why is that important? Or why would Luke note it here? Just some thoughts. I don't know if there's an overly right answer. I just am curious what y'all think. Why would he, why would he say that Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit in power, that he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Right. Right. Yes. I think that's a good, I think that's a, a great answer. Did y'all hear that? This, this idea of, again, us equating, or us, them and us, equating the followers of Jesus with Jesus himself. Okay? These aren't just the followers of Jesus. These are the people Jesus said, you will do greater things than you have seen done. It's crazy, right? You will do greater things. You will see more miraculous things than the things I am doing currently in the midst of you. Right? He says, wait on the Holy Spirit. He tells, remember Saul. We've talked about this 34 times. Remember he tells Saul, he says, you are persecuting me. Saul says, who is me? I don't know who you're talking about. He says, it's me, Jesus. It is me you are persecuting. As you persecute my people, you persecute me. Again, we have this relation from, from us and Jesus. We have this, this state that we are as representation to the world, even as much as the Holy Spirit. So when did the Holy Spirit kind of come on Jesus? Do you remember that story too? Yeah, when he's baptized, right? When he's baptized by John, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. A voice from heaven says what? Do you remember? 
Yes. Listen I'm well pleased with my son. Do what? Listen to him. Listen to him. Yeah. This idea of, please listen. He's, we're really, I'm really happy with everything he's going to say now. I need you to listen. Right? I love that. Right. Okay. Let's keep going then. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. And then they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as his witnesses, the ones who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded to us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness. And everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Quick few observations on this. Not, not much. We're going to focus on this next section. But in this, this time when a centurion is told by an angel, someone has something important to say to you. A person, Peter, gets this vision of a blanket of animals coming down, which I love. I'm going to start saying a blanket of animals now every time. A blanket of animals comes down, says Killeney, he has this perplexing moment, while he's even thinking about what in the world does this vision mean, Cornelius' people come, and they say, hey, are you Simon, Peter, living at Simon the Tanner's? Can you come with us? A centurion who's loved by all the Jews, he's like, That's, this is it. It's all coming together. This beautiful story, right? And then what does he choose to say when he gets to them? It's this. The, all he does here. Not all he does. He doesn't just do this. But his main focus is to describe Jesus to them. They're already God-fearers. They already do good. They're already, all intents and purposes, wonderful people. A centurion loved by Jews. That's crazy. Not very many of those. But do they talk about how he's culturally wrong and what he eats? That he should probably eat better, eat differently? Do they, do they talk about his lifestyle choices that he makes and how he should probably change those so that they're more acceptable by God, right? Do they talk about that? Do they talk about his tithing amount and if it's strong or solid, if that's right? Do they talk about his belief system that he has now that's probably very different from their own. Yes, he gives alms and he prays continually, but who knows how many gods he prays to because he's, very, he's a centurion, most of them would pray to every god nameable if they're devout, right? Do they chastise for that? Do they talk about the model marriage that he may or may not have to get him good enough to hear the message? No, I guess what I'm trying to say, they, they explain Jesus to the guy. And this is, I think, important for us to remember because, because we get so even... even a supposedly no-showing partiality people. We still want to make sure someone knows how to live right, too. We, like, loop that in with Jesus. We talk about, well, Jesus believed this and this, and he practiced this, so you have to do that also. It's not just believing in Jesus. It's, it's also, you have to start acting like it right away, and you have to start doing this right away. We, we package Jesus with so many other things. It's like we put anything else we can to make sure that people are going to be comfortable with us or that we're going to be comfortable with them or that they know what they're supposed to do, right? We do this. 
In fact, too often, our religion leads with those things and not with Jesus, right? What is, what is a Christian known for, probably? Is it that they are small Jesuses? Probably not in our world. It's because we've led with so many other things. We're loud about so many other things. We come to the neighbor's house, and too often we, we lead with, here's who you can live with or not live with. Here's who you can love or not love. Here's how much you can drink or not drink. Here's the, the whatever substance that you're allowed to do or not do, depending on your state. Here's the, right? Here's what you should or shouldn't be doing with your money. You know, here's, we, we lead with so many things. When it seemed, Peter's concerned, coming to the centurion's house, it's a few things. Number one, to voice that God doesn't show partiality. And then to voice the Jesus that he loves. To voice him. Not assume the centurion knows. Although he does say, we've all seen it. The nation's crazy over it. You've heard that there's persecution about this man. Let me tell you. He had the Holy Spirit descend on him. I was there. It was a dove and then a voice. I was told to listen to him for like first of seven times. <laughs> then he went around and he just healed everyone. It was wild. There were people being oppressed and he loosened them from oppression. People who were sick and he just made them better. It was nuts. And he went everywhere. And then on top of all that, no one, hardly anyone loved him for it. They just wanted food. And they just wanted their needs met. And he was giving them something more, but instead they crucified him. And it was awful. We didn't stay dead. And we saw it. We, we were there. We, we promise. He came back. We promise. We're not crazy. We saw him. We ate. He even ate food. He ate fish with us at the beach. It was crazy. And he says he, he, is, he is going to be the one to judge the living and the dead even. He said, you have to, you have to know this guy. We have to discuss it. And then he goes further. Sorry, let me find my place again. So I can't use a phone. He goes further and he says this to him. Getting there. Truly understand he didn't show partiality. He goes through and explains who Jesus is, and then he says this. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed. They were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speak in tongues and extolling to God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water from baptizing these people? I love that. Anyone want to stop them from being baptized? It's kind of like if you're at a wedding and you're like, anyone has a problem with this? Speak now or hold your peace. You better not speak up. You're going to get attacked by like a thousand people at the wedding. Be quiet. That's kind of the idea. Peter's like, anybody? Anybody want to stop? I will maul you right now. Anyone? Look what's happening. If I hear one of you say that they shouldn't be baptized, it's coming at you, right? That's, that's this idea. Can anyone stop them? Who have, can we stop these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Christ. 
And then they asked him to remain with them for some days. So while he's talking, pre-altar call, if you grew up a Baptist kid, right? Pre-now you have to make a decision. Pre-let's baptize you at whatever age, faith group you grew up with. What happens? The Holy Spirit does what it pleases and falls on these people. They're listening. They must be intrigued or something. Either way, the Holy Spirit surprises everyone and shows up and descends on them. So I think it's this beautiful way to say it. They don't pray and ask for it, right? They're not like, I should, I should pray and see if I should also receive the Holy Spirit. No, it descends upon them. It is poured onto them. Like this waterfall of surprise and beauty and wildness to everyone, right? And the Jews that are there, the believers that were Jews, are amazed, right? It says, we are amazed that even, <laughs> this language is still partial, even the Gentiles can receive the Holy Spirit, right? And it's this beautiful thing. They go here, they show up, they do something out of the ordinary, they do something away from their culture, away from their traditions. They show up and they are all amazed and perplexed at what God does. And here's, here's what I've been so pressed with all weeks thinking through this. Because we've been thinking about it for weeks now because we've, we've been coming upon it and we've been coming on this culmination of the Holy Spirit falling on Gentiles. And that's this. They, God asked these people to do something that they feel is crazy and a little bit wrong and out of their culture and out of their norm. And when they do, the Holy Spirit falls and amazes everyone. And I, I just wonder for myself and I wonder for the us that we're creating here. I wonder for it. I wonder if we're missing opportunities to be amazed at the Holy Spirit falling on people because we are so tame and we are, we are so structured. We have a formula for how the Holy Spirit comes on someone, right? Whatever faith tradition you grew up with, there's probably a formula. Mine went like this. You hear someone teach about the good news of Jesus multiple times, so you're sure of all the details. You don't just get Jesus, you get Jesus, you get the details of Jesus, you make sure you know how you have to have him. There's a prayer you have to say, right? You have to repeat it after someone. You can't just come up with it on your own. You have to do that. Then you have to go in front of people, say you did it. Then you get baptized, and then it happens for you. You're a new creation then, right? There's a formula. And you must do it that way. If you meet someone that thinks they're a follower of Jesus because they have a different formula, you should probably tell them your formula because it's better and you should make them kind of submit to that because that's the real one and you want to be sure beyond a shadow of a doubt they're going to heaven one day and that's how it goes. And it's tame and weirdly illogical and strangely put together and I don't know why we did it that way. When I told people about it like this, I'm like, what am I talking about? Jesus didn't do that ever to any of the people he talked to. And I've told someone that's how you do it. Like, that's how you, what? That's how you what? (laughs) And the formula for these people are they're listening to some guy talk to them. And the Holy Spirit is poured onto them. And then they get baptized because they're like, that's what we're supposed to do. And it's beautiful. And it's, unformulated approach. Right? Other times, it's very different. Other times, people are baptized and then they're like, oh wait, have you been baptized by the Holy Spirit? And they're like, there's another one? And they say, in fact, yes. It's crazy. And they're like, do that too then for us. 
And so he prays and the Holy Spirit comes on them, right? Someone prays like, hey, can the Holy Spirit come here? And the Holy Spirit does. It's awesome. It's very different. Very different approach. You know, they ask. Like, Maybe I should have that. <laughs> There's other times the Holy Spirit comes on people and they don't know what they're supposed to believe yet still. And like, why is this happening? Like, oh, Jesus is why. It's his spirit and it's different and this. And like, oh, that, that makes perfect sense. I'll do that too. I'm a Jesus follower now. The formula is, is strange. And it's inconsistent. And it's beautiful. The Holy Spirit comes and go when the Holy Spirit pleases. And I wonder what we miss because of our formulas. And I wonder what we miss because we're just so tame with our lives. I wonder what... Honestly, I kind of wonder what Lily and I may have missed in these seven years of living in Austin trying to like do a church plant a certain way and like structure it a certain way and for us to divide our restore group up at the proper time to make sure that it grows more which we were pressed to do and sadly brought up luckily we didn't force but we brought up and it was I felt ashamed you know I mean I wonder I wonder what we miss Sometimes just structuring this the way this is. You listen to someone talk. And sometimes we talk back, you know? But we just sit and we listen and we think and then we sing and then we do this and we do that. It's fine. We've settled on that's a fine way to do this. But I just wonder. I wonder what we miss living in the neighborhoods we live in because of whatever it is we want by living in that neighborhood. I wonder if in our search for safety we miss the wildness of God in saving someone unsafe. I wonder if in the, the hunt for making our kids feel comfortable on the street they live on, and I'm not, I'm not and this is hard, I have them, and I want them to be comfortable walking on our street, you know? But I wonder, I wonder if us teaching them to be less wild about the kingdom of heaven at hand, I wonder if that's good. Really. You know, I wondered when we, when we used to have um, apparently very well-known drug dealer neighbor at the time when we first moved to the east side, and they would come over to our house some, and we would go see them, and I wonder why it took three years for me to go into their house or them to feel comfortable coming into my house. They were being nice, not coming to my house. They were like, oh, I don't think people need to see me in your house. You might have some people at your door later. And I was like, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> it's very kind of you <laughs> to think about that, you know, or whatever. But I wonder why it took me so long to go check on the gas pressure that they were worried about for their water heater. I wonder why it took so long for them to, have, to be able to ask me and feel comfortable that I would do it unjudgmentally and just come in and help fix their water heater. I wonder why it took so long for one of them to bring wine to a party at our house and celebrate with us there. I, just, I, I don't... I'm just curious of ourselves. And I wonder if we're missing these crazy moments when God, with our faith, joins it 
and does something beautiful in the midst of people who haven't ever seen it. And we get to see something that we say, we did not expect for this to happen. Wow, the Holy Spirit is falling on these people. This is incredible. What am I witnessing right now, right? I wonder what we would get to see if we, I wonder what we would get to see if we didn't use our fund savings for what we use it for and we used it to like go to Haiti and work with Lamar at Help One Now. I wonder what we would see then. I wonder what it would look like for us to just, instead of making sure our kids have seven pair of pajamas, making sure they have three that are just fine and making sure another kid has three and another kid has three. I wonder what we would see that would be different. I wonder what we would see outside of our formula of taking care of our family. And we say that, we really mean, I'm going to take way over crazy care safe of my family. I wonder what that would be like for us. If it wasn't the leftovers, to be really, really open and honest, the leftovers of Lily and I that that family gets to receive from us. I wonder what it would be like if it was like ours, you know? But our formulas, man, our ways of doing it, our culture, our traditions, our faith that is done a certain way and acceptable a certain way, I think is hindering us. I think it's taming us. I think it's, it's, it's the us trying to not show partiality right now, this experiment we're on, this, this hope of the kingdom of heaven at hand in East Austin in our neighborhoods and in your workplaces. They, they're not going to go by the formula you know. They're just not. You might see some good things happen in the midst of it and that might be fine. It might be exciting enough to have a story every once in a while, and that's great. But if we want this, if we want to be a part of the Holy Spirit falling on groups of people and radically changing their lives and changing the way the church sees Gentiles at this time and changing how, oh, well, I guess we should go to them now. Let's send some folks. I guess if God's going to pour out the Holy Spirit to people, we should go tell those people too. Maybe that's all the world that Jesus was talking about. Not just the Jewish world. Well, man, you know, and maybe for us, we'll see the same. You will see our parents come to know the faith that we love. You know, maybe we we experience our kids' soccer differently. <laughs> maybe we we invite our neighbors to things with a different mindset and a different voice and a more gracious demeanor. Maybe it changes us. So that's what I want us to pray about. I want us to kind of help each other with. I want us to help each other in our attempt to stretch some. I want us to help each other in our obedience of how we love like Jesus really did. I want us to see where that goes. So let's pray together and stand. Let's stand and pray. Lord, we, we say to you that we know our traditions and structures are not all wrong and bad. They're not. They have helped many of us to be where we are, and we are thankful for them. To be honest, I am. I also know, too, instead of using these structures as a way to know you better, we have used them as a way to identify ourselves. And that is to our shame. And it's to our neighbor's detriment. We've like began worshiping 
and holding you to, which is crazy, holding you to these formulas we have of how someone believes, how the gospel is presented them must be A, B, C, whatever. God, we want to repent. We want to have our mind open to what your Holy Spirit would ask us to do. We want to be, I've said over and over, and I can't think of another phrase, I just want to be less tame with my faith. I want us to be less tame with our finances and hold them less tightly. I want us to be, I want us to hold less tightly our energy and our conversations and our love and our giving. So please help us in Jesus' name.